I just have to tell you, I am so excited for you to hear this episode. I wanted to take a second and introduce you to Krista Dixon. She is the founder of Soul and Sage, a human design educational brand where she helps online coaches market their businesses and coach their clients more effectively with human design. We barely scratched the surface with this episode, and I'm going to include links to her website, Instagram, and how to book a reading with her if you are as blown away with her wisdom drops as I am in the show notes. We talked about the energy types, the centers, electromagnetic connection, so many good things, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey, Lovebird, it's me, Stephanie, CEO of The Good Love Company and leading relationship expert. You're about to start transforming your love life from the inside out with the So Good podcast. I've been widely considered the leader in the love coaching space and have worked with super achievers all around the world for over six years. Here, you're not going to find cheesy dating tips or fluffy nonsense. No manipulative tactics either, because my work is about understanding behavior, identity, and motivation. Pair that with energetic work, somatic healing, and ooh, your love life is about to get so good. These talks are designed to inspire, provoke, and guide you on your journey home to take you and your love life to heights you've never thought possible. If you're wanting more from your relationships, better connection, hotter sex, self-love tips, and emotional mastery, then stick around. It's about to get so good. I'm glad you're here. Lovebirds, I am so excited for today. I found Krista. I was on Instagram scrolling and I see this post that is calling out the coaching industry in ways that I have been waiting to hear. And I go to her page and I see like, oh, another banger, another banger, another banger. I then DM her going, oh my God, I love you and have been obsessed ever since. So I'm really excited to bring Krista Dixon onto the show, and we're going to talk a little bit about some fun stuff with the energy types, a breakdown of human design as she sees it, one of the best teachers I've seen on this subject. We're going to talk a little bit about love and identity and dating and personality. So strap in. I'm so excited. Krista, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I can't stop smiling. That was a very nice introduction. I appreciate Oh my that. gosh. You're so welcome. It's it's amazing. You definitely know how to articulate and communicate things that many of our peers have seen. So I love it. And I'd love to just get right into it. If someone were to say to you, I've been hearing about human design. I keep seeing it everywhere. It's the triangles and it's the lines and it's the the numbers. And I, what is this even? So how would you explain in your words what the human design system is? I would say human design is a tool. It's a spiritual tool that can help you reconnect, I guess I'd say, to who you really are before, Mm -hmm. you know, your parents growing up or society, the media, before everyone else told you who you should be, who you're supposed to be. Human design can help you see where you've been conditioned by people outside of you, forces outside of you. So you can shed that conditioning and really come back to who you are, who you're meant to be in this lifetime, and walk the path that you're here to walk. And beyond that, I would say, thank you. (laughs) 
it's so powerful for relationships, which is why mm. when you asked me to come and talk about that today, it was an immediate yes for me because learning about not just my own human design, but my partner's human design and my daughter's human design since I became a mom has changed everything. So mm. I'm really excited to get into this. Yay. I love that. Oh my gosh. It's, it's wild. I have two boys and I'm married. I'm a generator. My husband's a Manny Gen, and both our boys are generators. So we're all just responding to each other. It is constant. But I'd love to know from you, we have five different types. Do you want to give a little explanation or like what's one or two words that would describe each type? Sure. Yeah. So we have manifestors, generators. Uh, then we have kind of a it's almost like a hybrid type. I think of it more as like a subset of generators as the Manny Gen. So manifesting generators. Uh, then we have projectors and reflectors. So those are the five energy types. I would say manifestors, a couple words to describe manifestors. They are here to be initiators. So they can really go out and make things happen. And bold, I would say. Mm -hmm. Manifestors have this very... It's like you just know when you meet someone who's a manifester, at least I do. I'm a projector, so I'm picking up on people's energy. When I meet someone that's a manifester, I feel like I can tell they have this just very bold presence, even if they don't realize that necessarily. So bold initiators, that's what I would say for manifestors. Uh, generators, I would say, are creative and methodical often. Not always, but I find generators kind of have this step-by-step -step approach to things so if they're like my my partner is actually a manny gen but he leans more towards the generator side i would say mm. and that's how he works he's very much like step-by-step -step, these are the five steps i need to take to finish this project i'm going to go in order and get it done then we have manny gens specifically if you are what's called a pure manny gen i'm not sure if your partner is but uh if they have channel 34 connected to gate 20 in the throat center. So if that channel is defined, that's called a pure manigen. I love this. This is great. I'm getting out my notebooks. <laughs> yeah. So check that in his chart later. But um, the pure manigen, they are charismatic. And I'd say another word would be like rebel almost or like breaking the rules. They, in contrast to pure generators, Manny Gens sometimes like to jump around when they're working on something. So they might not go step one, step two, step three, four, five. They might go step one, two. Oh, I don't think I need to do step three. I'm going to skip mm -hmm. that. And you know what? I'm going to take step four and five and I'm going to combine those together. And that's how I'm going to get to the end. So they, they can jump around a little bit more. They're not quite as methodical in the way that they work and live. What else do we have? Projectors. So I'm a projector. Mm -hmm. I would say projectors are very wise, naturally. They have a lot of deep insights into the world around them and the people that they come in contact with. So projectors are here to be guides for other people. They make really great guides and mentors. And then reflectors, which are kind of like the unicorns of <laughs> human design. It's about, I think, one to two percent of the population is a reflector. And words to describe a reflector, they are very cosmically attuned. It's maybe a good way to describe it. They really kind of 
change all the time, depending on, depending on what's going on with the lunar cycle and the other planets up in the solar system really affect the energy that a reflector has and what they're really meant to do from day to day. It changes so much. So they are very adaptable and they're also very resilient. They actually aren't conditioned by other people very easily versus let's say like a projector like me. We pick up on a lot of stuff from people around us and we have to learn to sort of let that go. Reflectors kind of have this resistant, resilient aura that sort of just like takes things in a little bit and then bounces them right back if they don't want to take it in any deeper. So those are the five energy types. Wow. It's so wild. And it's it's funny because I love projector energy. I love it, love it, love it. It might be my two-line that hermit aspect, that observational aspect. But it's so interesting to see people that I gravitate towards. And I have a couple other girlfriends who are generators. And those are the ones where we could be anywhere and have a blast. And it's always up and exciting and fresh. And it's just, it's so fascinating. And my partner being like, one day I like this and then the next day I like that. And, you know, why isn't it here fast enough? And <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so funny to see. So I think that's going to be really helpful because I see a lot of stuff in the human design space where if one quality doesn't fit someone, then they think, well, you know, this doesn't sound like me. Have you ever had a client that goes, I don't really feel like a generator. I don't really feel like that. Has that been your experience? Yeah, definitely. I was actually just talking to a close friend of mine maybe a week ago. She's a generator and we both became moms pretty much the exact same time. Our due dates were like two months or two days apart, excuse me. And she's just starting to kind of learn about human design. And she messaged me and said, she's like, I, I resonate with some of the things about being a generator, but not all of it. And I think a big part of that is just like both of our kids are two and a half right now. So she doesn't have a lot of energy all the time. But the thing about generators is their energy comes from doing things they love. So I can see when she has a little bit of time to herself, a little bit of space to work on her business and just kind of be doing those things that really light her up, the energy's there. And she's doing amazing in the business that she has with the limited time that she has. (laughs) I think to another kind of a really great use of human design is exploring the parts of your design that don't resonate with you because this can often be where you've been conditioned by other people. So as I said, I'm a projector. I grew up with two sisters and my parents that are all generators. So I always felt like I didn't fit in quite right. And I remember I would like come home from, I used to waitress. So I'd come home at, you know, late at night usually. And After a long shift on my feet, being around people all the time, and my parents would say, like, why don't you want to spend time with us? And I'm like, I just need to be on my own. Like, I am so exhausted. And projectors often don't have this sustainable energy. And like I said, we're picking up on things from other people all the time. So I just need to be on my own after I'm out in public. And my parents just never got it, right? So then growing up, I felt like a bit of the black sheep. Like, I never Mm. quite fit in. And back then they didn't, they still don't really know about human design. I didn't know about human design. So I would 
you know, take on opinions and expectations from the people in my family. And I would start to try and act like a generator, but that's not how I meant to be. So for projectors, like a good example is working a traditional like nine to five job where you're working 40 hours a week or more, that can be really, really draining, especially if it's a job you don't like. But you hear everyone say like, that's normal, that's traditional, that's what everyone does, right? So then you start to think like, what's wrong with me? So anyways, we can get conditioned by the energy of the people around us and then just the things that they place on us, the way they, you know, what they tell us is normal or right or the way to be. So if you find there's something in your design that doesn't quite resonate, it can be really powerful to start exploring that deeper. Be like, okay, would this have resonated with me when I was five years old or seven years old or eight years old before all of that other like crap started getting piled on top of me, you know? So yeah, that's what I would say. It's it's a tool for kind of discovering where you might have been conditioned and then you can work to release those things and kind of come back home to who you are and who you're meant to be. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I have like goosebumps listening to that because <laughs> it's so true. One of the things that attracted me to human design, and I'm an old school Western astrologer. That was my modality since I was 10 years old. Why am I so weird and different? Oh, um, so I, I love the concept of identity and the thing with human design that's, that's neat to sort of bridge the astrology is that it's not a predictive tool. It is not about what is going to happen or certain energetic. Of course, the gates move and that's a different conversation. But essentially, what I love about human design is that it is more of a spotlight into areas that you have not been aware of. And I think that that can be very triggering for a lot of people. And our first instinct is to, you know, go, oh, no, 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 that's, you know, because it's it's highlighting areas. It's very easy for us to resonate with things we already agree with, right? Mm -hmm. we, we read books that affirm our opinions and beliefs when what you really need to do to form an opinion is to look at every single side and find the meat in the middle. And I think with human design, it's very confronting. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing my chart and going, okay, yeah, 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 of course. Oh, well, well, that makes sense. And like, well, yes, yes, yes. Because for those of you who may not know, every center is defined except my root, throat, head, and ajna. So those who know me well, of course, I have the, the G center, the identity, the emotional, the intuition. That's who I am. That's my line of work. That's easy to co-sign. But that that open rue and the pressure to figure it out, that doesn't feel so good to confront. Or the fact that my head is so open that I will leave my house and hear 50 conversations and now want to start 50 different projects. The hardest thing, but the most impactful thing I've learned thus far is the concept of which we can get into the waiting to respond. When I tell you, if I knew that years ago, I would have saved myself from a huge mess. And what that means for you lovebirds listening, I am an emotional generator, meaning I need to emotionally process first before I make any decision. So regular generators, they get that sacral hit, they get that gut. For me, that doesn't come until I'm emotionally neutral. And there are times when 
I am either a little bit heightened or a little bit low, I know that is not the time to make the decision. But here's where it gets fun, Krista. <laughs> that, that, that old open route hmm. that demands me to figure it out. Because if we don't figure it out immediately, the house will burn down and we'll lose everything and we'll be homeless on the street. That is the contention. Hey loves, this podcast is produced by my girl Angie Jordan over at Podcast Launch Bestie. If you're ever thinking about launching your own podcast, run, don't walk over to podcastlaunchbestie.com to check out how to work with her and the team. They are amazing. Let me just say that's podcastlaunchbestie.com. I promise you won't regret it. So can you share a little bit for our listeners on how to kind of work with your energy types and your responses? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And where do you even start? Design <laughs> up. Um, so let me, I think I'll start with talking about projectors and then generators and manigens. My partner is yeah. a manigen. I'm a projector. So a big learning curve in my relationship was that we are both designed to function and make decisions in completely different ways. So anyone who's a generator or a manifesting generator, they are here to respond to what's going on around them. This could be a conversation you're having with someone. It could be like a social media post you see. It can be really anything that's happening outside of you. And you get this sort of, like you said, this hit, this feeling in your gut. And it feels like either a yes or a no. And it can take time to sort of discern, you know, what that feeling means. Is it a yes? And is it a no? I think it's a yes. Kind of experimenting with it a little bit. But that's your guidance. That's how you are meant to make decisions. Follow the yeses. Say goodbye to the noes. <laughs> Don't pursue that path if it feels like a no in your gut. Then if we throw in the emotional solar plexus center, which you said you have defined, you want to be emotionally neutral before you take any kind of action like that, before you make, especially like a big decision with the small day-to-day -day stuff, not as important. But if you're making a big decision, like if it's you know, saying yes to go on a date with somebody new, for example. You want to wait until you're not at the high or the low of your emotional wave. So then I guess we have projectors. Uh, projectors, our strategy is to wait for an invitation. And similar to what you were saying, this is something I wish I had known like way back when. Um, Specifically, as an entrepreneur, you get a lot of advice like, you know, go out and make it happen, like do the thing, work hard. Um, it's, it's up to you. You got to be the one to do it. But that's not aligned for most, like 90% of us. <laughs> that works really well for manifestors. Manifestors can initiate, they can go out and take action just based off of an idea or like, you know, this divine download they get. If you're a manifestor, you can go out and make that happen right away. Projectors are meant to wait for somebody else to invite you, to ask you, to either help them, share something with them, really just sharing your gifts, your skills, your knowledge. Actually, this makes me think of when you and I were chatting on yeah, Instagram. Just, <laughs> yeah, um, I was just thinking that. Yeah, like we started talking. I was sharing a little bit about your chart, what I found interesting about it. And you were like, you probably had that kind of gut feeling of like, hey, I need to invite her on the podcast. You invited me. I checked in with my authority, which is like my decision-making tool. I'm self-projected. So I really, 
I do well talking things out. I often do that with my partner. Uh, I like to talk things out loud. And then as I just kind of free flow and let the words come out, <laughs> I get this sort of sense of clarity of like, yes, that's, that's the right thing for me or no, that's not what I want to do. And it was a clear yes. So I said, yes. This is tricky, I find. Um, again, so much conditioning around the right way to make decisions, like make a pros and cons list, get through, right? Like all these mental processes, but we're not actually designed to make decisions that way. It's really all about coming back into your body. And we each have a specific inner tool to help us move through life the right way and make decisions the right way for us. Uh, so what did I do? I did manifestors, many gens, generators, projectors, and then reflectors, again, these unicorns, they need time. Similar to if you have emotional authority like you do. Mm -hmm. If you're making a big decision, like, again, entering a new relationship or moving somewhere new, taking on a new job, anything kind of big like that, you don't want to make that decision on the spot. As I was saying earlier, a lot changes for reflectors from day to day based on mainly the lunar cycle, but also what the other planets are doing as well. They can kind of temporarily activate different flavors of your energy. So one day you might feel like you have your emotional center defined, or you might feel like you have your root center defined. Maybe you're feeling that kind of pressure to like do the thing right away, make the decision. And then you act on that. And then a week later, you're like, oh, that was not <laughs> the right thing for me, but I acted too quickly. So reflectors kind of need to take, you know, two, three, four weeks up to a full lunar cycle to really sit with a big decision and feel into it. So maybe check in with the decision every day, every few days, see how it's resonating with you at that point in time. And then at the end of a month, you're going to have sort of an over, like overarching sense of clarity on what the right thing is for you. Wow. This is so fascinating. So fascinating. All you reflectors out there, completely open, flowing with the breeze. I wonder what life is like for you. That is so wild. And in terms of, you've done such a good job of, of sort of illustrating these energy types. Transitioning into like the dating and the relationship, before we get into my favorite part, do you think that certain types are more compatible with other types or certain energies would be more of a clash energy? Or do you think it's completely dependent on the rest of the chart? I would say it's completely dependent on the rest of the chart. Um, I have a, I don't want to say extensive dating history, but kind of. <laughs> I've been with my fiance now for like seven or eight years. But before that, I dated all the types. Um, and I wouldn't say it didn't work because of their energy type or mine. I would say it was the deeper layers. I mean, even the conditioning. So like how I was conditioned, how they were conditioned, how we were conditioning each other based on, you know, who had which energy centers defined, whether we had a lot of like clashing energies going on, that can definitely happen. But no, I wouldn't say it's not like, oh, manifestors have to date generators or generators have to date projectors. I think each energy type bring something really special and unique to the table in relationships. And it's more so about understanding your own type and your partners and how the energies interact than it is like these clear-cut rules of who should be with who. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. And I found um, when I was 
really getting into human design a few years ago. And something we've chatted about briefly is what's known as the electromagnetic channels. And so for the listeners, if you were to, in astrology and like Western astrology, take your chart and your partner's chart and sort of put them on top of each other and measure out the angles, you could see how your energy intertwines and blends and it's beautiful and it's super fun. And I found that with human design taking, and you probably will explain this far better than I will, but seeing what, if you have a hanging gate or if you have an open center and a partner has a full center or completes the gate, there's harmony and equilibrium and learning together. Would you expand on that in your words? Because you're the pro at this. Yes. Yeah, of course. So when we're looking at your chart, which is called the body graph, you see those lines that connect to the larger shapes. The larger shapes are the energy centers, kind of like chakras, and the lines in between them are called channels. On each side of every channel, there's a gate, and that gate can be debated or defined, or it can be undefined. The definition of your gates is based off of the planets, so where you know, the earth was in position to the sun and the moon and all the different planets at the moment you were born. So when we look at, we could call it like a composite chart or like a connection chart. If you were to look at where you have what's called a hanging gate, as you said, which is when you have one gate activated on one side of a channel, but the opposite gate on the other side of the channel is not activated. So it's kind of hanging. The channel isn't fully completed meaning the energy can't flow easily from one energy center to another. So I'll give you an example. In my chart, I have gate 15 activated, which is the gate of extremes. I don't have the opposite gate, which is called gate five fixed fixed patterns, I think it's called. My partner does. So we're opposites. I have 15, he has five. When we come together, that's one area where we might have like, you might say like sparks fly. Or we have this kind of magnetism towards each other because it feels really good to have that full energy flow. We're kind of always subconsciously searching for, you know, people outside of us that can connect those hanging gates. So the more of those, it's called an electromagnetic connection. If you have some of those in your composite chart, you and a partner or a potential partner, you're going to feel the sparks. And the themes of those gates can give you And actually the whole channel can give you insight into, I guess, the strengths you might have in a relationship. So for me and my partner having gate five and 15, when we are near each other, we complete that channel for each other. We pick up on the opposite or harmonic energy from the other person. And that channel is a channel of rhythm. It's all about finding your own special inner rhythm in life. And I sort of bring to that energy this the extreme. So I'm somebody who kind of like swings to opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to my energy and just a lot of things in life. And then my partner, Scott, has gate five uh, fixed patterns, and he's very much the opposite. He's very like, this is what I do day to day. This is the order. Everything's very fixed. And that works really well for him. When we come together, we create this beautiful like synergy, this harmonious energy where I get a bit of that from him. He gets a bit of that from me. And then we've created this really beautiful flow in our life and for our family, now having our daughter, where it's not 
you know, always at one extreme or another, but it's not super rigid and, you know, exactly how Scott is all the time. It's a little bit of both. Um, so that's like, that's how an electromagnetic or attraction sparks fly energy can work in your chart. The other quick thing I'll say too is you don't want to have too much of it. If you have like 10 of those connections going on, that could be a lot. I think Scott and I maybe have that twice in our composite chart. And we also have a few similarities. We have a few differences and somehow it just kind of, it just works when we're together. Oh my gosh. Um, Let me just tell you. So my husband and I have 16 and 48, Mm -hmm. 47 and 64, 24 and 61, 19 and 49, and 9 and 52. So it's uh, is wild. And I know that might sound like hieroglyphics to some of you listeners, <laughs> but as you follow and learn with Krista, this will be beautiful and explanatory. And I love people and I love observing and I love watching how does one person coming into a room affect so many people. I say to my clients all the time when they talk about trust and how do I how do I pick the right guy or how do I how do I know that I am am not perceiving this the wrong way and I say to them you know when you go to a party and you walk into a room and there's someone that you may have just met for the first time and they haven't done anything wrong they haven't said anything off base there's nothing logical that would state they aren't a good person but you just don't vibe. There's nothing that can explain that. You're just kind of like, like we're just for different people. And then at that same party, you could meet someone and you're chatting in the corner for three hours and everything flows and it's harmonic. And there's no real indication other than my physical presence near your physical presence and what that creates together. And the more that you understand yourself and using these modalities, the more fun it becomes because it's less about, oh gosh, I can't figure this out. Or, you know, why is dating so hard? Like I dated for 10 years. I was single and went from like lesson after lesson because I didn't fully understand my own power, my own radiance, my own identity. So, therefore, my gauge was not working effectively. So I would pick up on superficial things like charm that may not necessarily be rooted in true character. And I think what you're explaining so beautifully is this body somatic reaction and finding finding out about our our design is is a way to really navigate this world and see what what am I carrying conditioning-wise that doesn't serve me or isn't even mine or I just inherited? So I'm, I, I love it. Oh, I just have like goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> it makes me think of when, so I have a very similar relationship history to you because <laughs> I'm hearing you talk about it. Yeah, it was like 10 years of, I probably had like six relationships in that 10-year period. And for whatever reason, it just didn't, it didn't work. Yeah. And then I met Scott, we worked together. And from the moment we like started 
kind of getting together in that way, it just felt like, huh, like it just mm-hmm. felt like home. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember wondering at the time, cause it wasn't like this crazy, overwhelming, magnetic, like sparks flying everywhere connection. There was a bit of that, but it was just like this sense of relaxing and it mm-hmm. felt easy and calm and I had always thought when I was like in my early 20s that you needed this like crazy passion, fire (laughs) energy, right? So a lot of my relationships were so up and down Mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, maybe a lot of us go through that in our early 20s before we even really know who we are. It's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to find the right partner that can just be exactly what we need and we can be what they need. And then I met Scott and just, like I said, we're so different in so many ways. And yet somehow when we're together, it just feels right. It just feels good and like home yeah (laughs) I love it no it's so good and like that's that's what it's supposed to be and I always tell women like what you want is so palpable and real because you you would not have that desire if it wasn't for you and and I think that understanding and there's so much the thing is is that we only have one one episode today (laughs) can't go into the full the profile numbers and and all of these things. But I would really encourage the listeners to understand that like romantic love is, in my opinion, 80% self-work and then 20% in the field. That's the ratio I give clients. I say, you want to act as if you are a lighthouse and the stronger your beam of light and it gets strong through, this is who I am. This is how I feel. These are my values, all of that stuff. The stronger that beams outward, the faster the correct ship comes in. And then the tugboats, they kind of pitter off. And what most people do, and we're all guilty of this, especially the sensitives and the neurodivergents and the the unique ones and the ones that never felt that they really belonged anywhere. A lot of you listeners identify because you're all special. We are afraid of our power. We are afraid of stepping into our full essence of being because the people around us have not learned how to do that. And we are consciously or not afraid of outshining, outsmarting, outdoing, being all that we can be. So we shrink and we kind of dim our light. And what ends up happening is you kind of attract in these lukewarm, meh situations because we are not allowing ourselves either due to fear of what other people think or, you know, I don't, if I'm happy and in love and successful, so-and-so is going to feel upset and we, we dim ourselves down. And I think human design is one of the best systems because it's not necessarily soft and it will say. <laughs> It's not. It it says it says the things. And some of these channels and these titles are intense. Like no one wants to be like, oh, fantastic. I have the channel of struggle. Perfect. <laughs> I'm gonna have a whole like I have a my two boys, one's a five-one and the other one's a three-five. And for those of you new to human design, it's like the rebellious, you know, middle finger in the air, I do what I want, can't tell me nothing, five-one. And then the three, five, I'm going to fall down 75 times and make all the wrong decisions <laughs> because that's how I learn. And like, <laughs> like 
it's okay. Everything's fine. So I know we're diving into so many things. And if you listeners let me know how you feel about this episode, maybe Krista can come on for a part two. But is there anything that you would want to tell women who really just they're at the stage of their life where they have great friends, they like where they're at in life. They're working on themselves, but they can't really figure out where's my partner, where's my guy, what's going on? Is there anything, any insight that you would give to them? The tough one, I know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so many things I could say. (laughs) I think, I mean, looking back on my own journey, the moment it all happened was the moment I decided that I was happy and complete. And I had never felt that way before, Mm -hmm. which is probably why from a young age, I would go from one relationship to the next relationship. And they never worked because I was always looking for something outside of me Mm -hmm. to make me feel better, to make me feel whole. And when I finally, as you were saying, started doing the deep inner work on my own self-worth, self-love, seeing my value and what I actually bring to the table. And then, yeah, shining, like being the lighthouse that's shining out for others versus being in my head all the time of like, why isn't it happening? Where is the guy? That's when it all happened is when I finally let that go, which I know is easier said than done. But for me, that's that's when everything shifted. I love that. And as we close out this episode, what would you say would be the number one tip for each energy What would be the number one tip for them to get started on this awareness journey, on this identity piece, getting them to feel like, okay, if I just do this one next thing, I'm on my way? Mm -hmm. I would say learning about your strategy in human design. And we did touch on that a little bit earlier, but your strategy is how you can move through life and attract the things that are meant for you. So whether that's a partner or a job opportunity, anything, if you're living in alignment with your strategy, everything that's meant for you will happen, will come to you. So the strategies are like responding, as we're talking about responding with your gut response, if you're a generator or manigen. If you're a manifester, you want to wait until you get what's called an urge, which is like this divine energetic download where you suddenly have this idea, this vision, you know what you want to do, and you have the energy to go out and start doing it. For projectors, it's waiting to be invited, waiting for people to, like, let's say if if you're in the dating field right now and you are going out with, you know, three different guys, but there's one guy who just really makes you feel seen. Like he makes you feel like he sees your value. He sees your worth. He recognizes what you bring to the table and he really values that that's the one that you're probably going to want to pursue because he sees you and again, waiting for the invitation. So maybe he's the one that takes the initiative to ask you out again, Mm -hmm. versus if you're a projector, you're probably not going to feel as good asking out the guy. (laughs) It's not to say you can't, but it might feel better for it to happen the other way around. And then reflector strategy is waiting that lunar cycle like we were talking about. So I think that could be tricky in the dating field because if someone asks you on a date, you don't want to say, oh, can I get back to you in like 29 and a half days (laughs) with my answer? (laughs) But maybe, you know, can I get back to you tomorrow? (laughs) Let me check my schedule and get back to you versus 
making an instant decision on things like that in the moment. So I'd say that's the piece to start with. And your strategy is is tied to your energy type. So you're going to kind of probably learn about both of those in tandem and why that strategy is most aligned for you based on your type. So that's where I would say to start. Yeah. And it's so true because I I was speaking to you off air about have a manifestor client and she's the one client where I'm like, if you want to open the door, if you want to kind of make some decisions, because she's a very, very, very feminine person. And it's it's interesting because a lot of the advice she heard would be more geared toward the projector clients of, you, you know, you're the type that should wait for the phone call and should wait for the text. And so it's so interesting to see. And for the listeners out there, test this out for yourself. You have your own autonomy and you get to decide. I tell women all the time, the women, we make the choice. We are the epicenter. (laughs) We are the empress. We are the creators. The woman's energy in the home is of the utmost importance because it sets the tone completely. So when it comes to this beautiful unfolding of love and relationship and commitment and and forming a family is the most important decision you'll ever make. So it is such a fun way using human design to, to really tie it in. So, I mean, Krista, we went through so much today. That was, that was amazing. I'm going to be putting in the show notes and for everyone listening, all the ways that you can get a hold of Krista. Please follow her, binge her content. That's what I did. It is so succinct and so beautifully worded as a projector tends to do with that innate wisdom. But Krista, thank you so much for being here. Is there any last little thoughts or words that you want to share with our audience? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I hope everything we shared was easy to understand. I know, especially when two people who understand human design pretty deeply (laughs) get together, we can kind of throw around some like words and numbers and things. But if anything didn't make sense and you want clarity on something we talked about, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or email me anytime and I can help you out with that. But yeah, this was so much fun. So thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And to all you listeners, Like I said, I will be putting all of Krista's stuff in the show notes. Please follow her. She's amazing. I hope this was helpful and we'll talk to you birds soon. All right, lovebirds, there you have it. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that little pocket of time we spent together. It means the world to me. If this episode landed, if you felt like you got some mic drops, I'd love to know in the comments feel free to leave a five-star review as well. That always feels good. And if you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this, send her my way. Today's episode was so good, and I'll see you next time. I'm living that high life.